Are we allowed to be funny? Are we allowed <laughs> to be funny? Are. Never a question we ask ourselves. Maybe we should. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning. Welcome to the Two Marketeers, everyone. Yes, welcome. Do you feel completely thrown off because we were recording on a different day of the week? Do you? Do you now? How about now? I don't know. I do now. Yeah. Do you now? No, I'm actually happy. Okay, cool. So in our last episode, we were talking about something that sparked this episode. Which usually is what happens now. So that's great. Talk about they going just, with the flow. Yeah. They roll one into the other. Uh, a lot of times on our podcast episodes, we talk about emotional connection. Were we talking about that in the last one? Yes. Oh yeah. The crying puppies. That's where this came from. Yeah. I read the, the funniest term this morning when I was just doing a slight amount of prep for this episode that was <laughs> called slight amount. <laughs> a slight amount of prep. Oh, you did a more tiny, this week. That's good. A pinch. Yeah. I did a pinch. I'm sick of being the loser on this podcast. Oh. And the the term was sad advertising. Oh. They were like the last, puppies. Yeah. The last couple of years have just been full of sad advertising. And I was like, that is such a good term. Such a I'm gonna use that all the time now. Your point last week where you say, you know, emotional connection is appealing to emotions doesn't just mean puppies and babies. Sad advertising. <laughs> But it doesn't just mean that. And because we all, we use that drone example that clearly I went on about, but I was like, right. People think when you say emotional, you're crying, you're going to make someone cry or feel sad or feel cute. Like just that sort of warmth. Yeah. And that's not necessarily so. In fact, it's so true. Uh, I, I did a little more prep than Lindsay and I was just looking at stuff and I kind of got really lost in stuff where they talk about these appeal strategies or the seven appeals and all these different ways you can appeal. And I just mm. was like, it just, it just reinforced. Like you said, is you, if you're going to connect emotion wise, you need to prepare for that. You need to decide, you know, what emotion, why is it right? Is it appropriate to them? Is it influencing the right kind of reaction. I mean, that's what right. marketing's all about, right? Yeah. And when like on the surface level, people think emotional connection is one reaction, right? Yes, exactly. And it, it yeah. ties into also where we started this whole mess, which was talking about brand purpose and how you, you know, brands have the ability and it, I, you know, my opinion, I think it's their job to connect on a deeper level that doesn't mean that level is deep, <laughs> right? No, it doesn't mean that it's sad. Like yeah, it a deep, deep, deep level can still be funny is the thing. But it doesn't have to be heavy. It doesn't have to be emotional in those ways. We experience a lot of emotion. We experience excitement. Like you said last week, it was just fun. We experienced fun, surprise and delight. There's, there's a lot of emotions that we don't even think about. And mm -hmm. the whole point is to really pinpoint the emotion and, and, and understand where it is, when it's appropriate. And then you have to target the sort of behavior that comes with that emotion or the sort of connection that's made with your brand. I right. think that's that whole thinking between 
I have this whole yin yang image I use of, you know, the, there's the brand and there's the product or the service. And when a brand really gets put to the test is when that product um, it evolves to a bigger thing, something that people are, you know, trust. And it's not so much the product, but the brand. But when you first start out with something, it's the product and, and or the service that needs to prove that. But once you start to gain trust, you start to separate the product because you know what? A product could be faulty. A product could be not exactly what you wanted. Um, the brand is where you gr continue to grow that trust and that connection and understanding that you can connect on a multitude of levels. What's important is that you connect in ways that align with the values of your brand and the values hmm. of the people who would value your brand. I'm going to say value one more time because I value that. <laughs> Please term. just keep everyone get your value bingo cards out. <laughs> yeah. But I think like, I think brand trust comes from that understanding of the consumer, right? With the com consumer feeling like you get me, you understand me. That's what, where that trust comes from and showing people that you understand them is not just about a heartfelt message that makes them cry. It can also be like, you realize in this moment, I need something funny. I need something light. I'm looking for entertainment. That type of thing can also be something that shows that you get your customers and your consumers and hence builds trust as well. And deep down, it's really what all consumers are looking for in a brand right. is a brand they can trust. And that's why you have to look at a brand at a much more strategic level than say the launch of a product. You have to look at, there's the product itself, there's the surface itself, there's what you're trying to promote. And then there's the overall emotional connection that you're co continually trying to foster and grow so that that trust continues. So that I think you were saying, you know, the decision-making process, which is essentially what you're trying to influence most in marketing um, becomes a lot less work because you've been working slowly and regularly. It's a, it's that strategic kind of thinking of why are we doing this? You know, what is it we have to do? Is it the right reason for our business? Is it still in line with what we're trying to do for the world, for the, for our customer? Um, those sort of things. So mm -hmm. then we just cut down, cut it down to the original thought was let's talk about humor and marketing. Yeah. And I was reading this one article that kind of sums it up perfectly at, at the end of it that basically says after the recent years of purpose-driven, heartfelt, emotional advertising and sadvertising, it may be time to give people something to laugh about, which I was like, yeah, humor has been like, I feel like I've been discussing and debating humor for years and years and years and years now. Like, do yeah. you feel that as well? Have you like been having these conversations about humor or is it just something that's kind of like coming up now, coming out of a sad time? I think or humor is, I think humor is such a part of my, I'll say even personal brand um, mm -hmm. in that it comes naturally to me, but then, you know, I was reading uh, about sort of, you know, humor is great. Humor is very difficult and I never thought about it. It's very difficult to sell in. From an advertising standpoint, you mean? Yes. So not to the it's customer. It's so difficult to sell in. So yeah. difficult. I cannot underscore that point enough. Right. And that's where I kind of thought of, and I thought of, you know, has anything I've ever done been truly humor based for the client? And of course it has. I worked in beer somewhat, 
but I think it was always very, the humor, humor had already become part of how the brand communicated. Um, mm -hmm. And it was always very daunting, but it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it's a very tricky thing. And, and what I kind of hadn't recognized is it's tricky because it's tricky even to get a client to consider humor as the approach. Right. Totally. And it's subjective, right? So you can be in a mm. room pitching a room of 20 people and three of them might think it was funny and the other ones may not have thought it was funny right away. And when you're thinking about like a broadcast spot or something, a TV yeah. commercial, like people have to be able to get something in three seconds. Like it's got to be so simple, but it also can't be so simple that it's not funny. So it's like, it's such a, a weird balance. And there's so many different kinds of humor that you could use and that you can kind of play off of. Uh, I think that's what makes it so difficult. So like, we've even come in with like spectrums of humor, like, okay. like darker humor on one end to slapstick on the other end and like placing ideas along, even just to try and describe humor and understand it because it's something that really needs to be studied. Like, how do you actually land humor properly? Yeah. And there's even like, you know, I think they took, call it the four humors or whatever is, you know, one of those words that, um, when you look at the, um, the sort of history is it it meant something different than what it does today so mm -hmm. we, we often consider humor being make me laugh um but it's almost more about relating and connecting on a vulnerability that's like you said Lindsay. a lot of studies are being done around is what what is humor and how do you utilize it what makes it work um, mm -hmm. not getting into that, but it's just, it, it, this has been an interesting exercise because I thought, oh, it'll just give us a chance to talk about funny things and how, you know, we're funny. We'll talk about humor. And it's kind of done the opposite. It's like, humor's a lot more serious than you realize. It's so, it's very complicated. Like when you actually, you're right, when you get into it and they say, you know, a lot of really well done humorous writing that's either in, you know, in advertising and stuff like that is actually done by comedians because they are the ones who are consistently studying and testing the humor science. and testing levels. Yeah. Levels of humor and the science behind it and how it works and people's reactions where it actually is like a field of study where you can't just have, you know, a junior team who's never done anything funny before, write this like spot that you expect to land in amazingly well and have it be super humorous unless it's just kind of lucky. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a big part of it as we look at humor and, yeah, a lot was lucky. I think any good creative person would say a lot of the work that they've done that's been recognized would be like, well, I got to be honest, especially when they're out of the industry, got to be honest, mm -hmm. it was just, it was just luck. I mean, yeah, right place, right time, idea. right moment. Yeah, exactly. So to that point, actually, Lindsay, you know, right place, right time, right moment, that applies to any emotion that you're trying to trigger. Right. I think the thing is, is it's easier to trigger general sadness right? Because sadness is just something we can all sort of relate to in some way, you know, it's that almost, but, but humor, like you said, it's very subjective. And that's why, mm -hmm. that's why you have to be very intentional. You have to understand the mindset. Who said that? Hmm. And that's, you know, to say that that's pretty much what led this week was last week. You said, you know, we're trying to make emotional connections. Um, understanding the mindset is crucial and you even said for the first x amount of the pandemic 
we weren't allowed to be funny. And, you know, and I asked, well, yeah. is that because, and it was just like, because brands who listened and marketers who listened understood that it wasn't yet time for levity because they didn't even know what they were trying to escape from. Right. right? It's probably interesting for anyone who's listening to this, who maybe isn't kind of so entrenched in the world of marketing and advertising to understand like pandemic hits and there is so much work about to go live like everywhere tv commercial like it was march right so you're going into summer where it's very lighthearted, it's fun it's a funny time then you're going into back to school season which is like typically kind of funny with parents where you're kind of like you're free we are not like celebrating so there was like such mass volumes of work, whether it's like TV commercials, you know, social media content plans, like influencer activate tons of stuff that then just like the whole, like everything else just got killed instantly. So like day one, not allowed to be funny. We are no longer allowed to be funny. And that lasted for so long. Like I was, we were talking about last week, probably until the last three to six months when now we're like, coming we're like are we allowed to be funny like coming out of the little like burrow can we say a joke like to see yeah you know and I so I think that's that's where this debate has come from and even before that in like 2019 I've had so many conversations over creative work to say like is this appropriate? Are we allowed to be say, saying this? Is this a type of joke that can land? Should we be funny in this situation? Should we not? So like this conversation around emotion and humor has been lingering for a long time. And I think is finally kind of surfacing to say like, we're allowed to be funny now. Like, what are we going to do? You know? I know. And it's kind of like, to me, it's like, oh, good. I get to be funny again. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't think I was ever funny in marketing. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm humorous and relatable when it comes to presenting the thinking. Yeah. Right. That's where I think I do well because I have a hard, I'm always too worried about like, you know, when, when we understand all the things that have gone on, not just the pandemic, but all the things that have gone in the last couple of years, there's no more joking the way joking was. Oh Pardon yeah. Even says, no Pardon even says, you know, when I spend a weekend with my kids who are all grown up and very um, enlightened and they challenge me in good ways, but I've noticed myself just now starting to say like, can I be funny the way I was before? And the answer is no dad. No. <laughs> And I, I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are trying to be funny like they were before. And I watch and I'm like, even I bristle because I'm like, yeah. Oh. So it's it's a tense time right? Um, for that. But like you said, you know, that it's spring. Um, just the other day, I listened to the radio and they were talking about how everyone's really excited for the summer trailers to come out. And that <laughs> that's something to consider, like all the big movies. And one thing is particularly Marvel, right? Mm. Oh my God. Marvel has become, I mean, there's this whole thing where, you know, now everyone's watching every Marvel movie that was made in the, there's like lists online about how you watch. Ugh, we tried to do that. We tried to do that. Yeah. I can't do that. How can you do that? I can't do it. I, can't do it. I don't there's know. There's not enough hours in the year. And then like all of a sudden you get one out of order and then you're like, I'm done. I don't know. Now I watched. Iron Man 75 and I was supposed to watch <laughs> well the other Thorn and now I don't even Thor Thor that's the problem Thorn. you're looking for Thorn the movie called Thorn Ragnarok. is that it I don't know but that's one of the big ones coming out and they were saying that basically Thorn? 
Thor. The next Thor. And honestly, my favorite Marvel of all time was the second Thor. Um, mm. But the thing that's challenging now for me is they'll be like, oh, I want to watch Black Widow. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't watch Black Widow. That's what I feel. And you're like, well, then fuck it. I know. I'm like, I don't have time to watch 77 movies chronologically, but not the way you produce them. Now, the way you've back gone and backfilled how the stories need to puzzle together is like, enough. I can't, I can't even get through an episode of Bridgerton or whatever, you know, let's just, whatever. I can't get through an episode. Can of we go, can we go, okay, let's go into why humor, like what does humor do as an emotion with regards to brands and effectiveness? Can we talk about this? No. Nah. Can we shift gears? Come on. No, it's not funny. Yes, please not, do. I know it's not funny. Because it's not, it. I think what you're leading into is. Don't be funny for the sake of being funny. Why are you being funny? Why would you even choose to be funny at a Thank time you. like this? So when they say like we've had a flood of purpose-driven marketing and messages over the last couple of years, I would debate that humor can be part of your purpose, right? So if part of your purpose is to entertain, I don't think we can just say like, hey, we're not doing purpose-driven anymore and now we're doing funny. It's like, Funny can be part of your purpose. I just want to clear that up before we I think get that's into important. This. Yeah. I agree. I think it's important. So I came across this article in Kantar. So Kantar, amazing resource, amazing research company. Um, go and check them out. So it's K-A-N-T-A-R. So we'll leave that kind of uh, link to this article in the notes. But the article is titled, Who's Laughing Now? Let's Stop the Decline of Humor in Advertising. And I was like, yes, we can be funny. Like as soon as I saw, I was so excited. And the way that they kicked this off is not just like, hey, we're allowed to be funny now. It's actually that humor can really increase the infect effectiveness of creative, especially in advertising and marketing. So it says Kantar's ad reaction study showed that humor is the most powerful creative enhancer of receptivity. So when you're trying to get people to be receptive to a message or a piece of creative that goes into market, humor is the most powerful creative enhancer. So I'm like, great. And they say our link ad testing database also shows that not only is it a great way to get a reaction, but it can make your advertising really stand out from the crowd. Humorous ads are more expressive, more involving, and more distinct. So only 33% of creative has humor in it, but more than half of award-winning creative work is funny. That's when she gets but, all numbery and I go like, <laughs> yes, proven. So actually, apparently, so according to this article, they say that there's been a decline in humor over the last 20 years. So it's not something that's just kind of plummeted. It's obviously plummeted in the pandemic, but it's been coming down over the last 20 years. And one of the really interesting things I think that we've been talking about is that what has changed is an increased fear of using humor inappropriately. So that goes back to what you were just saying with your kids. And when everyone's over, like, am I allowed to be funny like I used to be? And everyone's like, no. And you're like, well, what can I say? And they're like, I don't know. No, they say and just also, don't say. Nothing. Don't say yeah. Don't and say also, anything. Nothing. And also nothing. You can say nothing now. Yeah. So that's really, I think that's really the big challenge. And as like, if we look at this season's body of work, like when we're talking about like truth and reconciliation day, and we're right. talking about the pandemic, every episode we mentioned COVID, if we talk about all of these different topics, 
it's like, how, how do you figure out how to be appropriate? How can you be funny? When can you be funny? Never. Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of interesting you say that because it's kind of the evolution we've had to take. I mean, let's be honest. We've always, the the, the spark of our We have to dial down our funny. Oh, we always have to do that. That's always, don't ever stop. (laughs) There's what we want to do and then there's what we should do. There's what we throw out and then there's what we publish. But remember when we started, like we would challenge each other. Typically I'd be like, let's do this. It's crazy. And Lindsay would be like, nope, I don't think that's appropriate. Um, And now we've balanced because she goes a little crazy. I usually continue to keep that in the episode. Um, Every little while we are careful and then we just say, fuck it. Like, you know what? Mm -hmm. If this is a problem, we need to own it. Do you know what I mean? Is to be, don't be afraid. Right. Be prepared to say, remember, you know, your brand is about sharing your opinion. And we found ourselves challenging ourselves respectfully and, and provocatively. Part of our brand is to provoke so right. that we understand where we think things should change. You can agree or agree to disagree, or you could just turn us off. But we have a bigger purpose as if we don't try and call out things that need to be questioned, then why are we doing this? Because we do believe that big changes need to happen. And whether that's in the workplace, whether that's in, uh, you know, the, the work that gets done, whether that's how the work gets done, whether that's the purpose of the work. So it, we've really, I mean, humor has been the constant and we even had to question, mm-hmm. are we here to be funny or are we here to make humor a, be- a, a better way to connect what we believe is not funny is important. Right. And I think the other, like the other part of that is like, are we here to be reserved or are we here to be real? Are we here to be like holding everything back? Or are we here to try and be a bit more like authentic and share some real views and realities? I think that's the thing that they say is really hard to tap into is that a lot of humor taps into realities and a lot of realities right now are very sensitive. And that reality is based on the mindset of you might think that way because of your personal experience, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're right. And actually, if in in the, in its reaction, how it's received, if your goal is to move something forward, or even to move something forward in a direction you don't even know yet, but to say, I think I think everyone needs to be more informed about this because personally, I wasn't. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of a, a lot of our experiences personally in this podcast has been about very clear on what we are trying to do as a brand, which is, you know, help ourselves understand what can change as the world evolves so quickly, what doesn't work, and what's not doing any good for anyone other than the bank accounts. Yeah. So they kind of go on to say that really the great opportunity for humor when you're thinking about brand performance and effectiveness is that it can humanize your brand and it can build affinity for your brand. So they also say that the emotional connection that humor builds helps people remember your advertising. And the interesting part too, is that they say we allow mental availability for something that entertains us. And if your brand is an intrinsic part of that humor, people are, people are more likely to remember, notice, recognize, and buy your brand. Yeah. And I think that's, what I got from all the stuff I saw, humor-based content is the most memorable. If it's done the right way, it gives it the ability for your brand to differentiate through that and stand out, relate, 
and, and ultimately be more memorable. And that memorability drives performance, right? I think that's the big thing for me is like, it's not, it's not that we're building into your strategy humor because we think it's just going to be hilarious. Like the, the things that we recommend for me anyways, is largely driven by measurement and performance. Like if we know that emotional connection drives brand loyalty, brand loyalty drives brand choice, brand choice drives sales, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There's not more, there's more than one way to achieve that connection. And a big piece of it, as we've seen in some of these stats is humor. Right. Yep. Can I share something I found? Yeah. What'd you find? Um, What'd you, find? you ever heard of uh, Aristotle? Yes. <laughs> we were I friends. I follow him on Instagram. You do? Um, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, those philosophers, you and me, we always, we always love those. Um, brought up a term that I even use a lot and I actually didn't truly understand the meaning. And I got to all these ways of how to be funny and, you know, why humor works and, and why, why it's important to connect emotionally. So I went outside of humor and it all came down to this very basic thing, which is a word called rhetoric. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'd always say, well, it's a rhetorical question. And all I knew as far as the meaning was, was it means you're not supposed to answer, right? Yes. It's a rhetorical question, but when you go deeper, and I've used, I've seen it used of late in ways that I'm like, I don't understand because there's no, there's no question being asked. I thought it was just something about questioning rhetoric. And it is, I, I believe it was coined first by Aristotle and okay. it's essentially the way it's described. It's the art of persuasion. Okay. Mm. Rhetoric. And it, it usually relates to, um, writing public speaking and that sort of stuff. That's where it okay. came from. So just to, to I'll, I'll put the link to this uh, great, I'll say article finding of just that kind of sums it really nicely is it's the art of effective or persuasive speaking or writing, especially the use of figures of speech and other compositional techniques. So it's that idea of remember how I said humor has a certain formula and how it works. It's about using everything that way. Interesting. So, so a rhetorical question means you're asking a question that's not trying to evoke an answer. It's trying to invoke an emotion, get me to think, because when you get me to think, and you're the one who got me to think, you now have the control or power to influence my thinking or per hence persuade me. Right. Dun, dun, dun. So then there's like four strategies or they call them um, techniques. They call them whatever. I'll, I'll talk about this. There's three as it relates to advertising. That's what I will say. Okay. And this is 2000 years ago. These were established, but they work really well for advertising and I'll say marketing. And it's represented by this triangle. It's called the rhetorical triangle. Number one, you have something called ethos. Number two, you have something called pathos. And number three, you have something called logos. And they're all approaches to how you deliver rhetoric, right? Okay. So how you influence. So ethos is about credibility and ethics. Got it. Okay, so I'll go into each a bit more. Pathos is about emotions and feelings. Okay. Okay. So obviously everything we're talking about today really does fall under pathos. And logos talks to logic and reason. 
Okay, so ethos calls, like I said, upon ethics and what we call the values. And they say of the speaker, but of the brand. So okay. there you go. That's the stuff where um, you try and relate to your audience through values and a common mechanism would be say, for example, celebrity sponsorship, celebrity spokesperson, because what's beautiful about that, and especially in today's personal branding is you can quickly associate the values of a very well-known person, whether that's an athlete, whatever they are, their values align to your brand. So right away they're listening and they're trusting, mm -hmm. right? So they say here, through that respect, the spokesperson appears convincing, authoritative, and trustworthy enough to listen to. So of all the types, these relate to writing most in advertising, ethos is best to unlock trust. Yes. Okay. And work I've been doing recently, we call it the psychology of authority. Yes. And the authority, I believe, is one of the appeals. They talk about these appeals. It's it's all oh. nomenclature. And there's okay. a bunch of them. Music, sex, humor, authority, all that stuff. But that's a whole other thing. Then there's pathos, which is a, really where I want to get into. It aims to convince viewers by evoking an emotional response. So it's the part that convinces by connecting with me on an emotional level. Okay. The common mechanism for pathos, as I see it, is the creative. This can be a positive, such the joy you feel if you bought, say, a new pair of shoes. I think you talked about that last week. It can be a negative as in, ouch, my back, I need a pill for relief. Or maybe something like guilt, adopt this cute puppy before it's euthanized. Okay? Oh, it's brought in all the things you talk about. Yikes. It appeals to compassion and feelings. Okay, so it's, there's where humor is but it's that idea, mm -hmm. okay? It has a clear purpose. And I thought these really helped because it helps you to say, it's not just about being funny. So before choosing to be funny, understand where, how you can connect on an emotional level as a brand. Once you've selected say a spokesperson or visual or some kind of identity for your brand. Right, yeah, I do. So would it make sense that a brand, if you were looking at this like a pie and you have the three sections that a brand would, could be, would be all three and like each section would be like a higher percentage or a lower percentage compared to the others. And that's how you may design a brand around these three types of things. Anyways, thanks everyone. We're all done. <laughs> Uh, have a great week, Lindsay. But yes. does that make sense? Or do you kind yes. of choose a piece of the pie? No, that's the whole point. So then there's okay. logos, right? Thank so you. logos is the logos is the one that puts into play logic. Okay. Okay. Using evidence and fact. So the mechanism would be about, you know, get 20% off this or, you know, 50% of our doctor, four out of five dentists recommend all that sort of stuff. Practical reasoning. That's just like, now you boil it all down. So it's not like pick A, B or C. You're totally right. It's the question mm -hmm. of what does the brand have to do? And if it needs to gain trust, what I would take from that is don't be funny yet, or don't just be funny, layer in some humor. But your main message is Oprah says this recipe is great. This right. food app is great, right? Steph Curry right. says this car and its performance is great. Um, so the idea is the common mechanism would be stats, facts, practical reasoning, like I said. And I like this part. Aristotle considered this the biggie, <laughs> okay?
which I thought was surprising, but then I didn't because basically it's like in a time where there was very little fact mm -hmm. and fact is truly nowadays is, is fact really fact. Um, these days, not so much, you know, it's not the biggie so much anymore. Rationality has fallen in stature, which makes all three modes of persuasion, persuasion equally important. So what he was saying is logos is what to stand on. Like that's, that's how you tell your story, present facts, you know, uh. what you know to be true. That's how you persuade a logos filled strategy would contain data, facts, and graphs and an almost academic or scientific level of logic and reason. So mm -hmm. again, any kind of medical sort of thing, product, it's just about, like you said before, um, t t tell me what I want to know. Because often right. with consumers, they don't know the facts. Right. And they've, they said that the facts has declined. It used to be most important. Now it's okay. equally important. And is and that because do you think people have access to their own information now? Yes. So it's like, I don't need you to tell me a stat. I can Google it instantly. I yes. need you to tell me emotionally why I should choose you over anyone else. Well, do you want to talk about the trust barometer episode of last year? People don't trust the information they're getting. There's going to be another trust barometer that's going to be dropping. So we're going to have to get back into that. Right. Baby. People don't trust. They're as informed as ever. And trust is at its lowest. That was a year ago or right? That was after 2020. Final, final point is good persuasive advertising techniques is when you balance all three. Equally? No. Okay. It's, it's balance, right? It's about balancing that they have to fit into harmony. Right. And I, I love how it's like, I pulled out sort of what I think is, you know, when you're thinking about pathos, that's why it can often be tactical because it's thought of as being at the creative point, mm. right? Building trust is at a brand strategy point. Often right. the stuff that wins awards, which is the creative we all celebrate is based on, you know, it's very humor based. It's the stuff that's memorable. It's the stuff that stands out. Well, to no one more than the marketing industry, as we, right. as I believe your significant other states, we like to award ourselves, um, <laughs> which I don't disagree with. So, <laughs> To sum up is basically what you have to do to make these things work, this is for me, is to understand their mindset, know what you're trying to trigger and why, right? Don't be funny for the sake of being funny. Understand how humor or whatever emotion you connect on is the right tool and have defined objectives and measures, hence, like Lindsay said, how will this influence performance so we can see if it did what it needed to do? I'm obsessed with it. I it's could not cool, love eh? it more. I'm going to have to spend, Aristotle and I are going to hang out all afternoon now. Love Aristotle. Wasn't he a stoic? Yes. Ah, that's how it all right? started. Ugh. I thought you'd appreciate this. I love it. Thank you. I love it's, it. It's philosophical, which you and I, it's either psychological or philosophical. And I think there's some really interesting stuff. Uh, there's so much about it, Lindsay. Like there's, there's, you can train on it. You can be trained, you can be certified, all that sort of stuff. It goes so deep. But I was just like, this is so helpful for yeah. us to understand the goal versus the approach. And Incredible. pathos completely, like humor completely sits within pathos. And pathos has a specific way of doing it. But it, like Amazing. you said, you have to identify their three very distinct ways. You have to prioritize your needs first and utilize them to your benefit. 
I think that's a perfect way to wrap up this episode. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for finding it. I can't wait also for you to send, send me the link and we'll share the link with everyone so that we can all look at it. I'm going to dive right in. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you, Sean. This is great. I'm so into this topic. So as we say with everyone, I'm sure we'll revisit. Okay. Lindsay, you have a great week, everybody. You too. Bye, Marketeers. Bye, Marketeers. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes launch every two weeks. So be sure to subscribe to the Two Marketeers podcast wherever you like to listen. Or go to the twomarketeers.ca and connect with us. That's the twomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. We are everywhere. This podcast is over.